This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You, 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 you are now locked in to the Clock Dodgers podcast. Afterwards, after they stabbed you, after you died, where did you go? What did you see? Nothing. There was nothing at all. Hey everybody, I am your host Neil. You are tuned in to the Clock Dodgers Game of Thrones recap episode. I am joined by none other than Tony, aka Mr. Geeky Bugle at ClockDodgers.com himself. Welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. How you doing? Doing all right. So me and you have been talking. You know, obviously we're Game of Thrones enthusiasts, and so um, you know, to say the least. Yeah, to say the least. And I, I look around all day for Game of Thrones podcasts. You have your Game of Thrones favorites podcast that you listen to already, and so I figured. We talk about it so much, why not just do a podcast about it? So normally, you know, normally when you come on, we talk about it or, you know, I might talk about it on an outro, but I feel like it deserves a full dedicated episode to it. Um, so, you know, those listening may be Clock Dodger usuals, you know, the guys that always listen and uh, some people may be new. So um, if you're new, welcome, you know, to the Clock Dodgers podcast. And uh, if you're just a familiar face and you know the drill, Um Let's go ahead and just jump right into this. We're starting on episode three here, starting a little late into the game, but um, better late than never. So um, I want I guess we'll start with Bran. Um, I, I'm loving the flashback type things. Are, are you are you digging the whole seeing the storyline? Oh, yeah, I love it. I think it's a really cool way to introduce kind of the history of Westeros without it being like constant. Like your typical flashback, you know what I mean? It's more just it's showing him growing his power and also showing us the history. Seeing the Tower of Joy was amazing. Watching uh, Ned Stark, young Ned Stark, who looked like strangely like Neil Patrick Harris. I don't yep. know if you noticed that or not. <laughs> yep. um, yeah, and then in that scene, him, he, like, was the, the uh, he was fighting the he was fighting the Sword Lord. of the Morning, right? Yeah, it's sort of the morning so I to Dane, who was always said to be like the greatest swordsman ever in the history of Westeros. And he showed it on there when he's sitting there fighting six guys with two swords. That that was one of the uh, most badass fighting scenes, sword fighting scenes on the show yet. I don't know if you agree, but I love that scene. Oh, definitely. And so obviously, um, you know, we've seen something new here with, with the story. Um, Bran says this wasn't you know, how the story went down, basically, at least how I've how he's heard it 200 million times or whatever he said. Um, I, I think we've heard that in the past, have we not, about stories not being exactly how they've been told? Oh, yeah, that definitely. I mean, and that really holds true to anything, you know, perception versus reality of history is always, it's always rewritten by the victors, you know. So Ned was the one that walked out of there alive. So obviously the story is going to be that he gravely fought and, killed, you know, the greatest swordsman in history and just kind of grew his legend. I think it was kind of a way to break down 
we have this like we built Ned on this pedestal that he was always, you know, the the one true hero in Game of Thrones. You know, Ned was his convictions were undoubtable. Yeah. And it kind of showed a flaw in that character, you know what I mean? That he was he didn't he seemed shocked when Arthur Dane was sitting there, but he didn't hesitate to kill him. Like he was if it's gonna be me or you, it's gonna be me and that's really a theme of the show is that you win by any means necessary and yeah. even Ned Stark was apparently susceptible to that yeah I mean he he did look shocked and and, and, and like Brand said you know he, he did it from the you know he, he stabbed him in the back it was kind of like a not an honorable move I guess but mm-hmm. um like like you said when you know when a sword fight man so <laughs> you gonna do whatever you gotta do to win I mean I certainly don't want my head chopped off I'm gonna do whatever it takes you know so um exactly the rules well, of the I always game. loved the hound because how the hound was always like you know fuck honor exactly <laughs> I'm not- Exactly, and so I'm just gonna win. the the other The other cool thing with that scene, though, was when Brand shouted out to him when he said, "Like I think he said, Father." Um, he reacted as if he heard it, and so you know he he says, you know he says to the guy in the tree, you know he heard me, and he was like, "Oh, you know who knows what he heard? He might have heard the wind, you know who who knows?" But it, it's if you know it's seeming like Brand may be, you know, ha- I don't I don't know if this is an ability the guy in the tree knows he has. Or if this is something, you know, what, what do you think is going on there? Do you think that Bran is more powerful than anyone who has this ability? Or do you think he just doesn't know it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an option at this point because he's still learning or, or what? I think the Three-Eyed Raven was even surprised by that. I think that's why he wanted to be dismissive by it. You know what I mean? Towards Bran. Yeah. Because I think it even, yeah, I think it even shocked him that he was able to do that. So I do think it shows that Bran is, the greatest, going to be the greatest uh, green seer, which is what they call like somebody that can look into the past, look into the future. He's going to be the greatest green seer that the world has ever seen. And the uh, Three-Eyed Raven said he's been around for a thousand years. So, so I guess for him to be surprised by something, I mean, it had to be pretty amazing. Right. And, and with that being said, do you think there's going to be a point where Bran does alter something possibly in the past or do you think we're just seeing or do you think they were just putting on display what he could do i think what will probably happen if i had to assume would be a situation where he can alter something and he has to learn the lesson that like all time travelers have to learn that you can't alter the past and i think that'll be kind of I think that'll be the way they go about it. I don't think he'll necessarily rewrite history, but I think, like, maybe he's standing there when Ned Stark's about to be beheaded, and he has to let it happen. Right. You know what I mean? There's Something a lesson along to be those learned. lines is kind of a le- yeah, Exactly. There's always that lesson with time travel that you can't, you can't alter the past uh, without uh, as he, major uh, ramifications uh, for the future. As he says, man, the ink is already dry, right? Exactly. It's already dry. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting, you know, to see how that all, you know, unravels because he did say you are going to leave the tree, you know, so at some point he's going to leave. I hope the kid can walk when he leaves because I'm tired of seeing this dude carry a grown man around now because he's not a little kid no more. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to yeah, assume. He's as, he's as tall as Hoder right now. <laughs> yeah. carried around. Which is something we're noticing with a lot of the characters, also even with the other Stark brother. I mean, he looks like he aged you know, like crazy amount of years just since the last time we've seen him. So, oh yeah, Rickon. Yeah, that's and northern it, area, man. Yeah, and, and that's something we, me and you have mentioned on other podcasts where you know characters and shows when they're kids, 
um, you know, they, they, they tend to grow rapidly, you know, and so when they come back on the show for the next season or if they miss a season and come back the one after, um, they look like a totally different person. So um, it's just yeah. kind of one of those things that come along with it. Belief, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's interesting. Is there anything else that stood out with Bran in that episode or with Three-Eyed Raven or anything that um, you think we're missing with that right now? Well, when when you see at the end of the scene when he's wanting to go up in the tower, he's wanting to go up to see what's inside of the tower, you hear a woman crying. And I'm not going to go into any further detail because it might spoil for some people that don't want it spoiled. But the people who know what that may be referring to, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And if you if you don't know that yet and you want to, just Google it. Because yeah. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But that, that holds major significance, I guarantee it. Yeah, that, that, that's that's a game changer if it's what everyone thinks it is. I mean, if they're, if they're going by the yeah. books. You know what I mean? So, yeah, exactly. So that could be a game changer right there. So, um, Bran, you know, I'm happy he's back. His story is moving along good. And also, um, they said that the guy who um, actually stabbed the... the um, the guy in the back for Ned Stark, um, his daughter, is it his daughter that's with Bran? Yeah, he was Helen Reed. Um, his uh, son was Jojen Reed, and I cannot remember. I think her name's like Mar- Mar- Marla, name. Mira, Marla? Mira. Mira. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Something with an M. Yeah, something with an M. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, she's the one that's with him, and Jojen was the one that led him to the Three-Eyed Raven. Right, so, so, actually, so obviously they're together the, for a reason. Um, Exactly. And interesting thing about the reeds, they actually have like a, uh, they live in a floating castle, mm-hmm. so they can't ever be found. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so we got a lot so to learn the, still. The base of operations is always moving. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> now, jumping over to uh, Khaleesi, which, um, so far, her, her, her storyline has kind of moved a little slow, I would say, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's hanging out with a bunch of widows right now. Um, you know, she's obviously telling them, I don't belong here. Um, they say, you're right. Maybe you don't belong here, but you might be belong dead probably for, you know, the things that you've done for not coming straight here, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you know, obviously, there's so many things here. Who's going to save her? You know, it's the dragon going to come back or um, what's their names that are looking for her? Uh, what's the guy's names, man? Oh, Joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they yeah, are, are they going to get, um, you know, how are they yeah. going to get her out of there possibly? So, I mean, you know, it, it, I don't know, you know, how, how far how, her, her storyline just seems like it's moving a little slow to me. I don't I don't know, you know, if something big is going to happen soon or what, um, but it just seems like they're holding her off, you know, a little bit here. Do you think they're doing that on purpose? Yeah, I think it's the slow burn. I think with, um, you know, everything that's going on with uh, Jon Snow and things like that that we'll get to later they kind of have to have something be a slow burn. So I do think that Khaleesi is kind of uh, being the recipient of that, you know, doing the slow burn. I actually really enjoyed the scene with the widows. I thought the, the, um, the main widow, like the, the head, I guess, of the um, Dosh Khaleesi, they, um, she almost seemed like sympathetic towards Khaleesi. Like it wasn't really, I, I didn't really get the vibe of like, we hate you. Right. It was right, almost right. like it was almost like when you talk to somebody older and they're like, ah, you know, I remember when I was young and naive and thought I could 
conquer the world. And she even said that, you know, I, I remember when I was going to conquer the world with my call. And, right, right, right. You know, right. She, she portrayed that very well. So I don't think it's necessarily an animosity towards her. It's just kind of a, look, this is your situation. You're going to have to learn to accept it if they even let you live. Like, this is the best it could possibly be. But I definitely don't think that, obviously, that this is going to be the end of the road for Khaleesi. Now, Joy and Dario can't take on an army of Dothraki alone. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know that they can take on four Dothraki alone. I mean, them are some badass dudes. <laughs> So it'd be interesting to see kind of how that plays out. But there's a um, there's a prophecy in the Dothraki lore that states that a great call will go to Vyas Dothrak and will unite all of the separate Dothraki armies, and they will go on to conquer the world. Uh oh. That doesn't sound a little, you know, like a little bit of foreshadowing. I so, do think that's kind of the direction that it's going. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when, when, when we pan over to, you know, to Tyrion and Marine right now, um, he, you know, he has his hands full. So, um, you know, if, if Khaleesi could come back with, you know, Dothraki and all this kind of stuff, um, obviously that would help. But, you know what I mean? With that and mm-hmm. the Unsullied and all this kind of stuff. So, um, you know, it seems like since we've seen her, she's been pretty much trying to build an army, right? And she gets them, she loses them, she exactly. gets them, she loses them. So, um, you know, maybe this is the, the season where she gets them. Um, but it's been kind of, like you said, a slow burn for her uh, in general this season. And, and then, you know, like, like I mentioned, Tyrion, um, you know, he's over there playing drinking games. Um, I, I, I liked the conversation, though, that he had with them. Um, because I think there was important pieces in that, even though the you know the scene may have seemed slow to some people. I think there was a you know he self quoted himself, which was awesome. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I love Tyrion. Anything <laughs> involving Tyrion is some of the best stuff on this show. I could literally watch Tyrion just sit in a room and talk for an hour. Yeah, and I would be happy with that. Like not everything can be you know people's throats getting slashed and tits and dragons. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I like the the conversation he was having with uh, with Worm Tongue and with Bachai Andy, trying to get them to kind of loosen up and open up, and they just weren't having any of it. It really showed kind of the uh, diametrically opposed cultures that they have, you know. Yeah, and definitely. I like the um, I like the scene with Varys when he was talking to the slave girl that he didn't like. He didn't use the torture method. He used the "I can get you out of here." kind of the good cop method you know what i mean and i really think that was more obviously more effective because he got what he wanted as opposed to like he said with torture they usually give the wrong answers yeah yeah it's definitely his style right i mean ever since we've known of him that's been kind of his style is to you know to give people what they want so he gets what he wants um and, exactly. and it's worked out for him um and you know, it seems like he's doing all the work right now, right? He's doing all the heavy lifting <laughs> while uh, while yeah, Tyrion exactly. kind of chills and plays games. And you know, I don't know if he's, I don't know what's next, beer pong or something. But uh, he definitely, <laughs> you know, he's definitely over there uh, letting uh, Varys do all the work. So, um, but 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 like you said, I always like their scenes because they aren't always, you know, they aren't typically they aren't uh, violent. They aren't typically you know fighting and sword fighting and all that kind of stuff. And they they bring kind of the you know the wisdom to the show. Um, the conversation to the show, like you know, um, just that 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 aspect, you know, they they do it so well. So 
Um, I always like their scenes as well, you know. So, if, I mean, if you're someone who's just looking for blood yeah. and gore, obviously you don't care, but um, I love Tyrion scenes. Well, Tyrion's kind of like your palate cleanser most of the time, you know what I mean? He is the guy that you see all this violence, see all this violence, see all this violence. Tyrion makes you laugh to see more violence, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, you got to have them moments of levity. It can't just be constant in your face, people dying. Otherwise, the, the, the show, you become numb to it you know what i mean you just become ah it's just another person dying it's just another person dying but if you have those moments of levity that bring you up and then it makes the moments of tragedy just that much worse exactly and then varies you know when he mentioned um to, to the um to the woman about perception you know I like that part too. He was like, "Well, you know, that's your oh, perception, yeah, but also I have my perception," and I and I, and I think that's you know that's important in, in, in the show in Game of Thrones, but it's also just important in life. You know what I mean? Everyone has their own perception, and their perception is their reality. You know, and so it's hard exactly. to sway that. It's hard to you know to to have someone see it from your perception. But um, I like I like that conversation. Like 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 I said, whenever him and Tyrion talk, man, you get some you know some drops of wisdom that you know you could actually carry over into the real world. As crazy as it sounds, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. So, I so, always, yeah, so I quote Tyrion in everyday life. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, "What is this guy talking about?" Oh, man. <laughs> usually, usually, yeah. <laughs> Why are you speaking in a British accent? That's usually the question I get. <laughs> yeah, man. So th- those scenes are always good. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that all you know works itself out. It seems like they have a tall task in front of them, and I don't know if it's something that they could fix um, without Khaleesi coming back. So. Um, you know, that's something we may see play out for a long time. Um, and, th- and then we move over to Ramsey. This guy's crazy. Um, you know, it, it was it was interesting, the uh, conversation he was having with, um, uh, what was the guy's name, man? The family. Uh, I don't know his first name, but he was from the house Umbers. Yes, yes, Umbers. Right, and so, and so, um, you know, he's like, I'm not going to bow in front of you. I'm not going to kneel in front of you, whatever it was. Um, kind of gave him his own treatment, right? And uh, with that, you know, he says, oh, I brought you a gift. And then, you know, some people don't know. Some people were feeling like, oh, is this a setup? You know, is this a trick of some, of some sort? Um, I, I don't think it is. You know, uh, obviously, we've seen Shaggy Dog was killed, uh, which these dire wolves are becoming outnumbered, man. There's, there's almost none of them left, so... Uh, it sucks, but um, it's good to see Reekin again. You know, I don't, I, I don't know where. You know, we haven't really seen anything with him as far as like a storyline to him. You know, so I don't know if this is our moment. You know, for that to be expanded upon, or if we're just gonna get the same Reekin Stark that we've gotten this whole time, and he just kind of is a small role player in the show. Um, but I would definitely I, like for his storyline to pick up a little bit. Yeah, I still think. Um... I honestly think Rickon is still very much a side character. I think he might be um, used as bait for uh, certain people that may or may not have just left their post to come down into Winterfell. Mm-hmm. You know, be I have your, you know, I've got your brothers. You know, you need to come back. Whether it be Sansa, whether it be Jon Snow, you know what I mean. I think he'll be used as bait, but I, I don't see necessarily a on centric storyline going just simply because we have very little screen time and very many stories. You know what I mean? It'd be very hard to introduce a completely new plot element, a completely new character arc into what is already a gigantic, expansive world. So I do think that he is uh, 
just a side player is just kind of going to be used as bait. I was definitely sad to see Shaggy Dog die. Uh, die. That definitely shows that the Umbers are for real. They're against the Starks now. They're with the Boltons. Like, that was kind of the, the nail in the coffin of their alliance with the Starks, for sure. Man, it doesn't matter who's against the Starks, bro. Jon Snow is back. Jon Snow is back, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so good. It's so it's it's so, well it's so great, right? So, um, you know, just kind of you know, just kind of jumping to Jon Snow because this is kind of you know, it's kind of they're all in the same area at this point and going to be obviously be um, you know intercrossed at some point here soon. Um, you know, Jon Snow comes back, which everyone's been waiting for. It happens. Um, Ali dies. Awesome. Probably one of my favorite parts mm. of the show. <laughs> yeah, um, little shit hanging there. So good. <laughs> it it hurt Jon Snow, man, but I, it didn't hurt me. Um, well, I, I I liked the scene when he came back, though. Like when the show first opened up, um, the conversation that he had with Melisandre and uh, uh, Dav- you know, Davos, uh, Davos. I liked how you know she asked him, "What did you see?" You know, he's like, "Nothing. I see nothing." Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was. You know, I don't know if that was to tell us he's seen nothing because he wasn't supposed to be there yet because he was supposed to come back, or if he's seen nothing just because there is nothing for everybody. Do you know which way they were kind of leaning with that? Uh, no, I don't, and I don't think he does either, and I think that was the beauty of the scene. Like, that that scene was so masterfully handled because we always wondered, you know, how is Jon Snow going to come back? Is he going to come back as something different? Is he going to become come back, you know, more of like a zombie-ish is he's still going to be Jon Snow and I like how, how, how he was still Jon Snow but like he had just been through something extremely traumatic you yep. know what I mean and that and him saying that he saw nothing that there was nothing that has to be scary as hell to believe even if it is you know like you said that he wasn't supposed to be there and that's why there was nothing but he doesn't know that so he knows when he does die again if he doesn't get brought back, there isn't anything after that. And that's got to be traumatic as hell. And I thought that whole scene was handled great. I like how when uh, when Melisandre was starting to, you know, spew her prophecy and all that shit, Davos was like, just get out of here with that shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need that right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I thought she was going to get a little more time. Him. I mean, she just brought the guy back to life, but... <laughs> yeah, but, well, Davos... I love Davos. He's one of my favorite guys. Yeah, he he ain't and with I, the I he ain't really, with the religious shit. Yeah, exactly. And I really hope that he stays with Jon Snow because I think he's a very good grounding force. You know, as this show moves more towards the mystical elements of you know the fantasy genre, you have Davos there being like, I don't know why this shit happens. I don't know why this is happening, but this is what we need to do to move forward. This is how you can deal with it moving and just being kind of that word of wisdom and Davos for any lack of education or anything like that he is a very wise man he's very um he's very like sobering you know what I mean he, he yeah exactly yeah exactly. he's very, very down to earth he's very plain you know he's these are the facts this is what we got to do you know what I mean like he tells him you know you failed go fail again you know you got to keep trying this you can't just 
give up because of what happened. Yeah, I kind of uh, hope... I just thought that whole scene was just beautifully handled. Yeah, and we've and we seen John leaving, and I hope, you know, next episode we get to see them, like, stopping him. Like, they go with him, you know what I mean? I don't think he'll just walk out by himself. Yeah. Um, but I even hope Melisandre... I even hope Melisandre goes with him. You know what I mean? I don't. I want her to go with him. Yeah, I want so Davos what? to go with him, and obviously the, uh, you know, the wild things. And um, I don't. I, I don't know. Um, do you think something's gonna happen where he doesn't get to see his his sister and and Brienne them, or do you think they're just gonna miss each other, or do you think they're gonna see each other right away? Like that's yeah, where, that, was, that's where she was going, right? I she was, was pretty. Yeah, when I thought that Jon Snow was gonna stay at Castle Black, because I always thought he was gonna be alive. You know what I mean? My my whole thing was that Santa was gonna go to Castle Black, and then Ramsay was gonna go to Castle Black. And that was going to kind of be one of the climactic battles of the of the season. I don't know that it's going that route anymore. I think Jon Snow is going to go on his own path. I think he's going to have to try to find his own way. I mean, he's obviously got a lot of shit going on in his head. So I don't know if he'll meet Sansa along the way. You know, I don't. I don't honestly think that that's where they're going. I think that Brienne and uh, Sansa and Podrick will get to Castle Black and Jon Snow won't be there and he'll be like, well, shit, now what do we do? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and they'll have to kind of figure out their own way. But I, I do think that that's, this is all going to be Jon Snow finding his own path, finding out what he needs to do going forward before ultimately coming back to lead the fight against the White Walkers. Like, ultimately, that's his destiny. Right. But he has to figure that out on his own now. It's yeah. not just because I'm the board commander of the watch. That's why I have to do this. Yeah, it, de- it definitely messed him up, the whole thing, because um, like he said on the episode, um, I did what I thought was right, and I was murdered for it. You know? Exactly. And um, that, that's yeah, an important that's line for, for Jon Snow's character um, in the show and kind of the way his story's going to go, you know, from here on out. Um, because that has mm-hmm. to be, you know, something traumatizing to you. You know, you think you're doing the right thing and you're killed for it. Um, so that's going to be a big story. You know, that, that line kind of is going to embody Jon Snow going forward. Um, well, you think about the, the Stark line, anybody in the Stark line that's gone about it the right way has been punished for it. Yep. You know, Ned tried to do the right thing, tried to get Stannis to come and uh, take over the throne because Joffrey was a false king, didn't want to take the Iron Throne for himself, wanted to go about it the right way, boom, beheaded. Rob, messed up when he married someone, but he tried to make it right. He thought he had an alliance again with Walter Frey. You know, they broke the rule of when you accept somebody into your house, you're not supposed to you're supposed to do them no harm. They broke that rule. The Freys did. And so Rob thought he was doing the right thing, and boom, he was killed for it. Sansa married a king, wanted to be the princess, wanted to be the queen, all that tried to go everything right about it the right way, and she's been nothing but tortured about it for seasons. And Jon Snow knows this, you know what I mean? So for him to be like, damn, we all keep doing things the right way, but the only people winning are the ones doing it the wrong way. Yeah, you, you know do things I mean? the old traditional be... way and you fail. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think he's got a, he's definitely got a lot to think about. I'm really interested to see where his journey's going to how it's going to unfold over the course of the season. Yeah. And, and, and the, um, the, the one group that we skipped over kind of was the Lannisters. So they're at King's Landing. It, 
there's a whole bunch of stories going on at King's Landing at once, pretty much. Uh, a bunch of different factions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have uh, Jamie and and um, his sister. You have the, um, you know, the Hand and all the guys that are in charge at the current moment. And then you have, you know, the King, who, you know, he seems like he's confused his damn self. Um, he's just a naive kid. Yeah, but... And, and I could have took the scene wrong, but when he was talking to, um, I, I always just call him the religious freaks, man. That's all I call him. But um, when he was yeah, talking to I them, <laughs> when he was talking to him, he seemed like he was almost like buying his, his shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like he almost seemed well, that, like he was he, he was buying it, like he was biting, you know, hook, look, and sinker, uh, hook, line, and sinker on that. That's kind of one of the weird things with this show, though, is like if you think about like where the show began. Cersei and Jamie were the main villains. And then now in this season, we're almost supposed to root for Jamie and Cersei, but yep. are we really? Because like when you think about it, I mean, they're, they're hardcore religious zealots, and I tend to kind of rebel against that just by nature. But the High Sparrow is for the poor. He's for, you know, equaling out power. He's for making things better for the common folk of the city. But he's also a villain. So it's kind of this weird juxtaposition of who the hell are we supposed to root for in this? You know what I mean? Like, I find myself I find myself agreeing with some of the things the High Sparrow said. Yep, I found and it. And then I find myself being like, yeah, but Jamie, you know, but, but, but I've liked Jamie, you know. He went on that fun trip to Dorne with Braun, you know. His, his daughter died in front of him, and he had that really cute moment. I don't want to root against him, you know what I mean? But he... He fucked his sister and he pushed Bran out of the window. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just, it's all these conflicting emotions whenever you're watching these people go at battle as to actually who the villain is. I think it's one of the best things about this show is there's not really any heroes and there's not really in, any villains. It's like, like you said and like Varys said, it's just perspectives. Yeah. It's everybody's perspective. Yep, and I, and I totally agree with you on the High Sparrow. You know, um, not episode three, but episode two, when he was talking to Jamie, I think it was episode two, um, when Jamie was kind of threatening him and stuff. Uh, was that episode two or one? That was two. That was two, right? Yeah. And he was like, you know, I can kill you before they even get to me. And, you know, but he was saying to him, um, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're a bold man. You must be, you know, not afraid of the other side. And he's like, no, you're absolutely wrong and all that. You know what I mean? And, and then when he's talking to the king, you know, he's kind of spitting some more knowledge and making more sense. And I'm like, you know, uh, I hated this guy last season. And and now I'm like, okay, some of the things he says make sense. So it's exactly it, it's, and, it's and tough. Tom is so young and naive that it is very easy for him to be twisted. And he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know if he should attack. He doesn't know if he should, you know, if he should go with the high sparrow and believe what he says. And, you know, his mother does need to atone and things like that. He's very confused. I mean, the kid's. I think the act is probably like 17 by now, but I think the kid's supposed to be like 13. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you think about this 13-year-old kid trying to run a kingdom, having being pulled in two different directions by two very smart, very conniving people. It's got to be a really difficult situation for him to handle. Yeah, yeah, And I sure. like, too, when, um, when they all went into the small council, you know, and Kevin Lannister was there, and um, uh, Marjorie's grandmother, I can't remember her name, but um, the queen of the queen of thorns is what I always call it. Uh, she was there, and you know you had your master Pycelle and all those cronies there. And when Jamie and Cersei sat down, they all left, and it was like we're not clean.
cleaning up your mess for you. You need to figure this shit out on your own. Yep. We're trying to run a kingdom here. You need to fig- go figure this out. You caused this. Go figure it out yourself. Yep. Yeah, there's some that that that's uh, it's King's Landing is is definitely uh, you know hitting a breaking point. So uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how that all you know how that how that all works itself out. It's hard to not see the Lannisters on top again in there, but you never know, man. You know, with this show, you never know uh, which way it's gonna go. Um, before we end this, I we I, I forgot all about uh, Arya as well. Um, so oh, she, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So she got her eyes back, which I was tired of seeing her get smacked around with a stick. But the way they did it, this last episode was great. I liked the, you know, the the, the cinematic way they, you know, they portrayed it. But um, I was happy to see her get her eyes back. Um, my my only thing with her now is like, where does her story kind of fit in? I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know what her story is going to be. Like, is she going to be on the side of one of these, you know, groups? Is she totally on her own path? Um, is she going to be the same? you know, girl that we've watched this whole time now that she's no one. Um, it, I have a lot of questions about that. And I guess maybe if I read the books, I, maybe I would know a little more, but, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm a little confused on what, where her story is going to intertwine with the rest of them, or if she's on her own story path kind of at this point. Well, I think right now she's on her own story path. I think she is officially no one. And I, I don't know about you, but did you, did you have eye of the tiger going on in your head during the training <laughs> montage? Yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs> that going on the whole time, but anyway, um, yeah, I think I think she's gonna be on her own right now. I think she is truly no one. I think the um the final test was her drinking from that fountain because if she wasn't truly a faceless man, then she would have died. Yeah, so because we've seen people die from drinking the water from that fountain. But one thing, one part we still gotta remember that is out there is needle. Remember when she buried needle? Oh yeah, underneath the rocks. So the way I see it unfolding is for the rest of the season, she's going to become no one. She's somewhat going to just forget about her family, forget about her list, forget about everything, truly become a faithless man, become the little badass that I wanted her to become. Then I think she's going to find Needle. And I think Needle will bring all of those emotions rushing back and then maybe she sneaks off from the faceless men, goes back to Westeros, whatever, and goes gets back into the main fold that way. I think that's kind of still her ticket into the main storyline. But I do think for a lot of this season, we're going to see Arya as not the little girl we remember. She's going to be a badass assassin. I don't know, man. Really she can't cross. She can't cross the uh, the man with no face, man. He he's a badass, dude. Yeah, that's, yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Maybe she ends, maybe she ends up killing him. Oh man, oh, gosh, there's maybe. so much, and there's only seven episodes left. Man, how how, do, how does all know, how does all this happen so in seven episodes, up. man? It's it's torturous. It's Season torturous. Goes too quick, way too quick. We wait so long, like literally every single episode could be as long as a movie, and I would not give a damn, man. I would all love right. every second of it. You know what I mean? It's like. We see some of the shows that, on one hand, I'm like, ah, it's really good that there's 10 episodes because it keeps it a very good narrative structure. There's not a lot of filler. And on the other hand, I'm like, look at some of the shows that get 22 episodes that are on TV. Why can't Game of Thrones have 22 episodes? Oh, man. Bullshit. That would be crazy. That would be nuts. But it's like, you know, I don't know, man. I just, it's so good. It's It's the one show that when it ends, man, I just instantly start looking for stuff. 
I start, I hit the blogs mm-hmm. up, I hit the forums up, I hit podcasts oh, yeah, up, definitely. I hit everything up. I just start searching and searching and searching, and it's like, I'm nuts over it, dude. So it's like, as soon as the episode ends, I'm like all depressed again. I'm like, oh, now I gotta wait six more days again, or seven more days, whatever yeah, you it find is. find yourself looking at the clock when you're watching <laughs> it, like, oh, there's only ten minutes left? Yep, yep. Damn it. Start checking your cell phone, like, how, how much longer do I got? How much longer do I got? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well... You know, this was our first episode of the, uh, you know, the Game of Thrones recap. Um, again, this is for episode three. Um, we missed the first couple episodes. Well, we kind of have done that, though. Like I said, on previous actual Clock Dodger episodes, um, when me and you spoke, we kind of, you know, recapped all of Game of Thrones leading up to the, you know, to the episode one. Um, and, and like I said, on some of the outros, I've spoken about it. So um, it's not the first time. You know, we talked about this season, but we want to kind of make this a regular thing. So, um, you know, me, me and you have kind of discussed it at this point, and, and we're looking at dropping these pretty much the same night or the morning of um, right after Game of Thrones aired, right? So that's something that the people have yeah, uh, something to look forward to um, as soon as Game of yeah, Thrones ends. So when something's shocking. I want when something shocking happens. I want it to just be 30 minutes of us not being able to talk. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> sometimes I do... Just 30 minutes of damn. Yeah, man, because sometimes <laughs> I do that. Now I'm going to have to kind of like, I'm going to have to get past it earlier. I'm going to have to like, all right, you know, like after the Red Wedding, I sat there and stared at the screen for 20 minutes. And now I don't have that opportunity because I'm going to have to jump on this with you. So you might have exactly. to carry our conversation in the beginning of some of these podcasts <laughs> <laughs> until I totally recover from the episode, uh, depending on how it ends. So um, this is going to be fun. Um, hopefully everybody is looking forward to it. We're going to keep doing this. Um, you know, like I said, let's make this a routine. Um, you know, just in addition to the other Clock Doctor episodes that we do, these will be obviously spoilers. <laughs> I mean, for anybody listening, if, if, if you are not, you know, currently with the show, then there's no point listening to these because... Hey, if you made it this far and you haven't watched it, you are pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. But, uh, it's kind of your own fault. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, the spoiler thing is tough on podcasts, man. Um, I, I did that the other, you know, on the last podcast when I was talking to um, the fancy football hitman. We were like, all right, spoiler alert. And then we never, like, actually said the spoiler alert was over. So I was like, Oh, you know, if you if you're listening again, you know that's kind of over now. But um, it, it's tough, man, because we want to talk about it, and you know, if people aren't caught up, they don't want to hear about it. But you know, uh, I'll, I'll I'll label it some way so listeners know um, to to stay away if they haven't heard it. But uh, to the diehards, you know, we're gonna make this a routine every Sunday night after the episode airs. We'll be here. Um, to give you our take on it, our reaction on it, our predictions, you know, moving forward. And uh, we'll just take it like that. I mean, is there anything else you want to send off on this episode before we uh, wait for episode four? No, that's it. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think these will be a lot of fun. Uh, i got to put a shameless plug in. Check out uh, the, Geeky Bu- the Geeky Bugle on Clock Dodges. I just put up the Civil War review. And this Friday should have the spoiler Civil War review for anybody that already went to saw the movie, uh, movie and it's going to have Easter eggs and cameos and appearances and nods to comic books, things like that all in it. Yeah, definitely check out ClockDodgers.com uh, for, all, for everything. Um, Geeky Bugle, we also have tons of Game of Thrones content whenever you know things happen, but there's, there's everything on there. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, there's sports, fitness, yeah. breaking news, Black videos. Consensus rankings. Census rankings. Yeah, there, there's everything on there, so definitely um, check that out if you're all out of podcast. <laughs> all right, man. Well, this was a good one. It is in the books, and we will talk about episode four when we come back next time.
All right, man. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to stop by clockdodgers.com and follow us on Twitter. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.